What's the one thing all great teams have in common? Great coaching. Try to suck up to me, Evelyn. I'm Gordon Bombay, the new hockey coach. All right, let's go! Learn me! Come on! We're Team USA, gathered from all across America. And we're going to stick together. You know why? Because we are ducks, and ducks fly together. It's the Quack Attack Podcast. Hey, everybody. You guys were brought here to play hockey. I'm Mike. That's Tommy. Hello, everyone. That's Kevin. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Quack Attack Podcast, the definitive Mighty Ducks podcast. We're back two weeks in a row. First time this year. We're already in February with two weeks in a row, but that's okay. And let's really not waste too much time, but let's waste a little time checking on Kevin's cryptocurrency investment. If you're new to the pod, Kevin invested $300 December 2017 in Kin Token. Last time we checked, it was at $11.47, I believe. And Kevin, do we have an update? Yeah, great week. It's up to 11.53. Oh, <laughs> nice. Sell, sell, sell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. On the comeback trail. That's good. That's good. I don't think we really have much. I, I do think that uh, we should break out our, our like extra deep voices since we're recording in the dark, basically, right now. It feels very romantic. I just wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for those listening and not uh, watching along. Yes. Um, we're, getting, we're getting some weird feedback from Kevin's lights for the first time. Did you, do you have like no. new light bulbs or something? No. Uh, so anywho, we're, we're in the dark, and uh, because it's going to be a... Uh, I guess it's a little bit light outside, but we're relying on natural sunlight to light our studio for the most yeah. part. I will say Mike and Tommy are a lot more handsome when it's darker. <laughs> I've so. heard that before. Yeah. Wow. I will say we do get a decent bit of feedback when the lights are on before we did. I just try to cut it out in post. So this is an effort to increase the audio quality at the beginning. So You mean our editor cuts it out in post? <laughs> yes. Our editor, that is not me, that I that is employed by the Quackatech Industries. We offer great benefits. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. Let's get into the topic at hand, really. I don't think we really have anything else to talk about. Tommy, what is the topic today? We've got a Mighty Ducks Minute for you, and um, I think it's a pretty good one. Mike is going to explain what a Mighty Ducks Minute is. Yeah. So, if you've been listening long enough you know that we stole this from star wars minute there's now we a borrowed whole, it we didn't steal it we had there's now a whole like podcast category that just it goes minute by minute through various movies tv shows and whatnot breaking it down in super detail our twist because we want to be cool and different is we just pick random minutes throughout the trilogy so it's not sequential and really doesn't make any sense at all, but it's and fun. We, we pick the random minutes via random number generator. So we're not picking like, oh, we should do this minute. It is 100% based on luck. Yes. So, so today we're going to be doing the ending credits. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, we have not gotten real. I think we've gotten a bit of opening credits before. I don't think we've gotten like just the ending credits. I don't know if I would just skip those or move on. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see what happens when we actually get it, but... The minute today is minute number 156. So this is minute 51 to 52 in D2. The Ducks have just lost 12 to 1 to Iceland. Don Tibbles is very unhappy. And we'll pick it up from there. Take a listen. 
I'm out of a job, and you're on your way back to Palookaville, Minnesota, shoveling snow and sharpening skates. Have a nice night. Twelve to one. Twelve to one. You know what word comes to mind when you think of that? Hmm? Pathetic. You guys were brought here to play hockey. What about you? What about me, Jesse? Coach Stanson knew everything about us. They were ready for us. Yeah, and you spend your time driving around in convertibles, talking to all those sponsor fools. Or hanging with the Iceland lady. We saw you two Saturday night. Eating ice cream with the enemy, huh, Coach? What? Are you kidding? Hey, hey, what I do is none of your business. Is that clear? Don't take those pads off. All right. Very powerful minute. What were your first impressions there? Um, I, uh, Some really good face acting for most of the ducks. Yes. Um, Save for Kenny Wu, who's just expressionless <laughs> the entire time. Yeah. Um, but I thought Goldberg was phenomenal mm. in his face acting. Um, I thought uh, Charlie also was pretty good. Yeah. Um, and I think Portman was a little better than Fulton for, in terms of just straight up face acting. I'm going to agree. Uh, I also want to call into attention both Bombay and Tibbles. Yeah. Um, and you could tell they're like veteran actors. And so they do it. I think uh, Tibbles, you only get him for a couple of you know seconds in this bit. But it was very good from him and kind of shows like his, I don't want to say dark side, but he's not just happy go lucky, like idiot marketing guy or whatever. Yeah. Like he's serious about this because he knows that his job is on the line. It, it is kind of funny though. Uh, like if you were just to take just this minute, it seems like Bombay is really offended and, uh, like saddened because Tibbles doesn't like Minnesota. Like <laughs> I think at the very beginning, he's like, you can go back to wherever Minnesota and Bombay has this like look of like just pure, you know, defeat. Like, Minnesota's not that bad. <laughs> yeah. So he says you can go back to Palookaville, Minnesota, which is not a real place. I had to look it up actually. So Palookaville is Slang, an imaginary town characterized by mediocrity, stupidity, or failure. So he's just saying, like, you go back in the, well, you know, like middle of nowhere. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, like yeah. Backwoods, kind of that kind of BFE, thing. whatever. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah, Bombay has a good, like, head shake after, after uh, Tibbles walks away. Also, Bombay, his whole, like, ensemble with his hair is just outrageous. Like, he just <laughs> looks insane. Oh, he just looks like Pat Riley. Like, <laughs> yeah. It. Like a really, really young Pat Riley. I don't think Pat Riley was ever actually young. Oh, he, he kind of looks like Donald old. Trump Jr. Ooh. Oh. Michael put that yeah, in the show Yeah, I'll put a side by side of the, that in the show notes for sure. Uh, yeah, so. Obviously, Bombay walks in. Tibbles, as we mentioned, does a good job sort of showcasing how much pressure he's under, sort of underneath the surface. I like that out of him. Bombay walks in. And how do we feel about his 12 to 1 pathetic speech? I mean, the context of it that he's talking to these like 12 year olds is bad, (laughs) but it is a good speech. Like, it. If this was like halftime at the Super Bowl, like this was probably the halftime speech that like Belichick gave the Patriots last <laughs> night. Like three to three to zero was a halftime score, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like it had to be, you know, three to zero. That's pathetic, you know, something like that. Um, but the context of it being to twelve year olds is not a great not great optics. 
I remember thinking back to like when I was like 12 playing soccer and we had like a really bad first half. Um, we were down, maybe we were down like 3-1 or something like that. We actually ended up coming back to tie it. And I think it's because like our coach, he, he just like was kind of looking at us and like shaking us and like walking, just like shaking his head. And we all very much got it. Like, yeah, we played like shit. So the coach <laughs> didn't need to say it. And so it was very much like, uh, you guys are better than this. Just shaking his head. And I, I very much remember how I felt because, like, I need to – and I respected my coach a lot, and so I need to play better for him. And we came back and tied it. We should have actually won it, but uh, that's but right. Tommy missed the game. <laughs> no, actually, I remember it. There was a, a fucking substitute referee that day. Oh. Like, they didn't have enough of them, so they got, like, a parent and the other team to volunteer. And he, I was unmarked. And he pointed like, "Hey, make sure to mark this guy to his team." I was so pissed. Was like, <laughs> classic, unbiased classic referee. Tommy blaming it on the bus. <laughs> no, it was it was bullshit. Anywho, wow. wait, wait, a quick question for I guess for the both of you. Okay, um, I feel like there are probably two classic styles of coach in this scenario. There's the yelling and screaming, and then there's the disappointed father. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> what did you respond to better as a player? Me personally, I was definitely disappointed. Father, like I knew. I knew, like, when things went down. Like, if a coach yelled at me, like, I could take it. Like, I didn't, like... Like, I understood where he was coming from. But, I like, if he just walked in and said nothing, I yeah. feel like that was more crushing. Yeah. I, I agree. And I think the yelling is more of, like, uh, yes, I know I fucked up and I'm going to, like... And it, it might fire me up more. But I responded more, I think, to the, like, disappointed father, like... I think I did too. Uh, and, and maybe that changes at a certain age. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's like it makes more sense for younger kids to yell or, or the other way around. I don't mm. know. Um, but yeah, I think I was the same way too. It, it, like whenever you just get that, like, like, you know, really guys, like this is how you want to go out. <laughs> yeah. Like that kind of thing. Like that always worked more for me, I think. And I, I think it maybe is more effective, but I think every, everybody has their own speed. I, I think, um, when you get up to the pros and when you could in like college level probably too is like where you can respond better to yelling um probably just i think in the pros it switches the other way where like they're not going to respond to a guy that's like five years older than <laughs> older than them yelling at them like no i, don't I know. think it varies like there's a there was like a good video from like a recent like cowboys playoff loss where um one of their uh, i think it was chris richards maybe was like very clearly animatedly like I don't know if I want to say yelling, but speaking very loudly and speaking with his hands to um, two of their star players on, on the defense. And they were very much nodding, like saying, yes, sir. Like they understood. It, and, and we don't know exactly what he said, it, but it was probably very much of like, you guys are fucking better than this. Like, what do you keep doing? Blah, blah, blah. You guys are leaders out there. And like yelling things that are like essentially saying, you know, the right thing. Yeah. Not saying you guys are shit. Yeah. <laughs> but saying you guys are fucking better than this, which yeah. I think is kind of like, um, like between the two. Yeah. Yeah. Gordon was definitely you guys are shit. Twelve to one. Yeah, just watching, I was like, Gordon, they know the sto- score. Like, I feel like they knew everything that, like, they they knew how to feel. They had been out here riding high, having a good time, and this was a wake up call, and everyone knew it. And if Gordon just plays a disappointed father, I think it de-escalates the situation instead of Jesse stepping up and being like, "What about you?" Uh, how do we feel about so Jesse stepped up, and then it was Julia the cat, then Mendoza, then Fulton, all sort of jump on. Is that different if somebody else steps up other than Jesse? I one note on that that I was gonna say that I noticed a lot 
during the minute is the very palpable absence of Adam Banks. Like oh. he's your best player and he's just silent. He's just like in the back of the room saying nothing. And I think that, uh, w- you know, wasn't a very good sign and maybe kind of is a detractor from like the Adam Banks being a, you know, wonderkind kind of mm-hmm. player. Um, Cause he's, he's nowhere to be found. He's like literally in the background. If you remember, Jesse has done this before. Mm-hmm. Like a D one, he's like when Bobby's like, "Why the hell wouldn't you just listen to me?" And he said, "Why the hell should we?" Yeah, and it was very much like everyone followed suit. And so I think with Jesse doing it, they can follow suit. If it was like, I don't think anyone else really had like the confidence to like say something to start it off. And so if he doesn't say anything, I'm not sure anyone says anything. I could see I could see Charlie saying something afterwards, like kind of going just off as like, "Hey, coach, I really don't," you know. And this is kind of like what mm-hmm. he did in the scene afterwards where they're they're skating lines and he said, this isn't very fun, you know, kind of reminding him where he came from. Would we, I mean, is Jesse a a cancer? Like, is he a, like, he's always going after Bombay. Well, there's a reason he's not in the hall. Well, yeah, that's true. I think, I think that that's needed. Like, no, I I don't disagree that it's needed, but I, I think a lot of the times, like we tend to view players like that that are outspoken and stuff as like locker room cancers. Like you hear like just the other day, granted these guys have a reputation, but <laughs> like Rajan Rondo, Lance Stevenson and, and uh, uh, JaVale McGee, like apparently went after Luke Walton and it's like, Oh yeah, they're the locker room cancers. Like, of course they're going to do that. Um, again, they have, you know, previous dings on their record that kind of supports that. But um, I don't know. I'm just curious. Cause he kind of, you know, gets in Bombay's face a lot, and he's supposed to be the authority in the room. Yeah. Especially at that age disparity. Like, they're 12 years old. He's, what, 34 <laughs> at this point? Yeah, he'd be, well, he's 29 in the minors, and then he came to coach this so, team. Okay, so, 30 so 30-ish, yeah. maybe, depending on the timeline between then and uh, when they go to the Goodwill Games. Yeah, it it is like a... a two-sided deal for sure because you have someone who's not afraid to step up and be the vocal leader but he is talking back to his coach yeah so i'm I'm trying to put myself like in that position at that age and like imagining if a teammate had ever done that i would have like coaches audibly gasped yeah (laughs) they would have been kicked off the freaking team like i it's just i don't know it's interesting it's i've seen it happen before but only with like coaches sons where they'll talk back to him yeah coaches sons are the worst yeah exactly (laughs) And it's like, I would never say that to a coach. Like, you might, like, say something like, and then clearly, I think this is evident of them talking shit about Bombay behind his back. And, like, you may say something like, I don't think coach is doing the right thing, but I would never, like, say that to him, like, in that kind of setting. Yeah. It it takes, like, a special kind of asshole to do that, really. And, like, normally it's, like, the, the kid who also acts up in class and, like, who, like, will talk back to the teacher. And, again, everyone's, like, kind of gasps, at least at that age. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. I will say my dad was my hockey coach for a long time. You're the worst. I did not I did not step up like that in like a team <laughs> environment though. Uh did you and your dad ever get into it over like minutes or anything or him picking on you more than the other kids? No, he was pretty upfront about it. He was he, Mike, you played like dog shit last night. Oh yeah, he would tell me that. Yeah. Go set the table for dinner. <laughs> oh, he wouldn't no, he would it would separate, but like he would definitely like single me out in front of the team just to like prove a point. Oh yeah. And then kind of like, like overcorrect. Yeah, and if we I, I wasn't overcorrection. Like he, like I said, he was very upfront about it and like if we ever got a bench minor or something like that, I would have to sit in the box like to serve our penalty. So I think that's a good move by your dad. 
Yeah, yeah, I thought it was a good move well as well. Um, going back to Jesse. Wait, but did you resent it at the time? I resented it sometimes when he, like, would single me out when, like, our whole team played like shit. And then he would point out to me that I was, I was like, so I think at the time I'd be like, well, yeah, there was, like, other people in the room as well. Like, it wasn't just me. But I didn't have a problem sitting in the penalty box. Like, as I said, he explained that before. And even when I was mad, he would come back and explain, like, this is why I did this. Mm. So, I, so I, and I will say that in Bombay's defense is he doesn't single anybody out here. He's collectively calling them all dog shit. So I think <laughs> that's, you know, a plus one in his favor. Um, still maybe a little too harsh, but he definitely doesn't say, Charlie, you played like shit, you know, or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. Do we think if Tibbles didn't talk to him, his speech is different? Because he's clearly, like, upset. Well, and he's also kind of coasting at that point. Do you think he goes in and he's like, this is on me. Like, I didn't This is. I didn't get you prepared. You guys played poorly because of me. Like, kind of similar to, like, when we're talking about the Super Bowl, Sean McVay, Jared Goff both, like, took the blame. Sean McVay was like, yeah, I got outcoached. Like, this is on me. And Jared I, Goff's like, I played like shit. I don't know because at that point he's like, he thinks he's the shit. Like, he thinks he can do no wrong still. Um so I, I don't think it has a, like a positive effect if he doesn't talk to Tibbles. I think he's kind of like, oh, okay, you know, whatever. We'll get him next time. Like, I don't think it's like a good thing. Yeah. Like, I don't think he lights a fire or anything like that. Yeah, I think Tibbles definitely sort of riles him up in a sense, like that he's angrier going in. But yeah, I don't think it, it lights the fire either in terms of like Bombay being motivated to be like, oh, I'm going to go back and coach real hard and that kind of stuff. We need Miss McKay for that. Here's another thing to think about is Bombay, has he ever been in this situation really? And so when he lost as a Hawk, you know, it was probably always like close losses. Of course, they had that loss in the championship game. Mm -hmm. Um, Overtime. Or yeah. And then in District 5, you know, they like had their losses. It was diving. It was just like, you know, they got their asses kicked, but it wasn't 12 to 1 or whatever. Or they weren't good. It's like... Yeah, yeah there are no expectations. On yeah, it. and so he doesn't really know how to to lose and respond after that. And like he responds well after a win. Like that wasn't a win; that was a statement. Mm-hmm. Has no idea what, like how to respond after this. And so I think that's that's on him as a coach. I mean, but honestly, it's if he's never dealt with it before, he's probably had to think about it, right? Yeah, I mean that that is definitely a hole in this coaching resume for sure. I think that's a great point. It's kind of like. Um, uh, when, when Kyler Murray lost to UT, it was like the first time he lost as starting quarterback. I don't know ever because he was undefeated in high school. Yeah, and it's just like, does he know how to like lose graciously? Essentially, was kind of like the question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Bombay did not. Yeah, I. It is a good thought experiment to say like, what if Tibbles doesn't lay out that like. You lose a game, I'm gone, you're probably gone, where the whole thing crumbles to the ground. Like, if he just comes in, maybe he is a little more lackadaisical, just coasting along and being like, all right, well, we got work to do and that kind of stuff. And he's not serious enough. That's what. That's how I would take it, but I don't know. Anyone care to disagree? I think I've said my piece about it. Okay. So, let's go back to Jesse Hall. Was it so Bombay obviously being a dick? And we talked about if we were in that situation and a 
teammate of ours stepped up to the coach, we would be like shocked. But was it the right move? Because Bombay was being a dick. I mean, they did play like shit. Like he's not wrong. Yeah. You know, he's, uh, I mean, he may not have been acting the greatest, but it's almost like they want to shove off all the blame on Bombay and not take any responsibility for playing like shit. So I, I don't know. Julie, the cat was the only one who actually brought up a good point, which was like, you got out coached. Yeah. Like, they knew everything about us. We didn't fucking, she didn't say this, but it was very clear. She's implying we didn't watch any film. Like you can tell us anything about like, oh, look out for Sanderson because he's rough or whatever, or look out for, you know, Gunner because he likes to be fancy. It was very clear that they were just kind of doing their own thing. And I think that is a pretty credible voice yeah. too, because like she has some really high end experience that they probably don't, that the rest of the Ducks don't. And she's probably she's used to like kind of getting that kind of coaching too. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it sticks a little more if Julie's just the last one to talk because that then everyone else takes it elsewhere. Mendoza like fraternizing with the enemy, and then uh, Portman comes out eating ice cream with the enemy, and they're all like, "That's the worst thing in the world." <laughs> like, like, yeah. like I, oh no. Yeah, I do think Bombay is in the right, and granted, he sets the stage in such a way that it's really hard to kind of take that high ground mm-hmm. where, like, it doesn't, it shouldn't matter. Yeah. that he is doing these things, but. Because he, he of the way he set them. the table. He doesn't lose them until that line. Because yes. when he says that, you see, like, Guy and everyone roll their eyes. Yeah. And, like, that's when he loses the team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he is the coach, so he can do what he wants. But he should also, as Julie said, like, give them a scouting report or do some coaching here. So, it's like, so it, it looks like he's very much co- focusing on riding around in convertibles and, like, getting ice cream with the enemy. Yeah. It's not like... Hey, what the fuck? You weren't like giving us any like film review or anything like yeah. that. And uh like the time that you should have been using like coaching, you were out, you know, fraternizing with the enemy essentially. Yeah. Which is a very legitimate point. How would you guys feel if your coach was eating ice cream with the enemy the night before? I mean, I I I was trying to think of something earlier that like I lived in a pretty small town, so mm-hmm. like there had to have been some case at some point where like there was some sort of either spouse or you know some <laughs> yeah. kind of situation like that where that existed. I don't know. I can't think off the top of well, my head if we think knew of like about it. Coaches but... being buddies, it's like oh yeah, we go way back. Or yeah, something. I know. It's like yeah, they grew up together or whatever, and they yeah. probably oh. had dinner. Then I mean, players do it all the time. Like they like LeBron will go have dinner with and and collude with Anthony Davis. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know. I just think it's. An overreaction, but I think it's an overreaction because of the way that Bombay set the table. Yeah, I don't think it really matters. I will say then Portman and Fulton sort of give themselves up that they were breaking curfew. Yeah, that's true. So if I'm Bombay, I sort of try to turn the tables again and flip on them. But uh, we don't really uh, get to that point. Bombay just sort of has them suit up for practice, and that's when the minute ends. So on that point... um, so it's very hard not to draw uh, similarities between this and Miracle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I was kind of wondering, and I don't know if you have the answer to this, but um, is that scene, because in Miracle, he like gets really pissed after they lose pretty badly uh, in like an exhibition game or something. And then he, you know, tells them to keep their pads on and then goes and they yeah. do sprints or are they called sprints. They're yeah. called sprints in basketball. Yeah. Um, on the ice, you know, deep into the night. Um, a is that a true story? Did that actually happen? And uh, 
B, I, I do wonder if there's any research that was done from that team for the Ducks for this movie in particular. Yeah, I don't know the answers for sure for both of them. I I believe, if I remember correctly, that the miracle thing did happen. That they stayed after and they had to do that. That has happened to me as well. Like, if you have a shitty game, we there's definitely been games where we stayed on the ice. There's been games we won where we stayed on the ice. Mm. Just so is, maybe it's just like a hockey like adage, like an old adage, like that just kind of happened. Yeah, like if you play like shit, they'll they'll be like get back on the ice, and then you have to skate. Yeah, cause I, I, that never happened us basketball. Because <laughs> I mean, you guys never played like shit. No, we we always <laughs> won. Yeah, no, just kidding. We did not always win. Yeah, I mean, I would I would figure there would be some hockey research that goes into this, and but then you start thinking about like how the penalties are called and stuff like that. And I mean, you do have Jack White there. He's the hockey technical advisor. He's in the hockey communities. You'd figure maybe he knew the story or somebody knew the story. So there's a, uh, I think it might've been HBO. There's like an HBO documentary about miracle. It came out maybe 15 years ago, maybe something like that. It, it wasn't super long. Um, but I do remember there being like kind of something along those lines. Now in, in miracle, of course it's like overly dramatic the whole, oh, who do you play for? Yeah. yeah. I think that is like 100% bullshit. Yeah. Mike Rune is the only. You know, United States. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Which is another parallel to the Ducks. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Very true. Mike Ruzioni is also on the Ducks. <laughs> yeah. I, we, we have to ask this question. We got to get somebody on to answer okay. this question. Because yeah. there are almost too many parallels. Yeah. Yeah. Both Disney movies, too. So maybe they borrowed from each other. Who knows? No, oh, so you're suggesting Miracle borrowed from the Ducks? Who knows? I, I haven't don't know. seen that movie in a while. We need to watch Miracle? it. Miracle? See if there, like, there's someone, is there a Texan? Who, it's a good, it's a good like movie. A, a I mean, it's like Disney cheesy, but it's yeah. good. Yeah. I don't know how accurate it is because I haven't done too much research into it. But I do think they won the gold that year. Yeah, I do know that. <laughs> oh. Although they didn't, everybody thinks they won it in the... In the Russia game. Against or Russia, Soviet, but they didn't. Yeah. Or, yeah. Soviet but they Union. didn't. Had to beat France, right? Sweden. I think it's Finland. It was, Finland. I believe it was Sweden. Sweden. It no, no, Sweden. it was Finland. Finland. It was Finland. Yeah. Sweden was like the other team in like the final. Four yeah, in the four. Yeah. yeah, they had a weird like. Cross, you play like two crossover games, and then who had the most points won the gold. Or yeah, it was like a really that. stupid format. Actually, I think there's a Mike Rizny quote, and I guess because they were down going to third period, he's like, "You're gonna win the greatest game of all time, then lose to a bunch of fucking Finns or something like that." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Tommy. No offense you... to our Finnish fans. Oh yeah, much love. Yeah, much love to all the Finns. Oh, we'll have a we'll have a remote bot out there in Finland if we get enough yeah, interest. I'm yeah, done for yeah, yeah. We'll, we're held to head to Helsinki. Yeah, yeah. We just have to just express your interest if you're near Helsinki, or uh, is there another place in Finland like that's like a big time destination that mm. Americans need to see? I'm gonna defer to Tommy on this. I have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> I know the capital of Finland. Yeah. Is it Helsinki? <laughs> yeah. It's Helsinki. <laughs> All right. Tommy, you were sort of on the train there, and then we went off on a side a sort of tangent. You had, was there anything else you wanted to get in before we go to the MVPs? Um, I think it was a great minute. Uh, I think you brought up a good point about Bombay could have, like, turned around on Portman Fulton for, like, blowing curfew. Mm-hmm. Um. I think Kevin brought up a good point earlier about Kenny Wu looking just like totally like just standing there deer in headlights. But he is definitely not like the kind of person who would stand up yeah, to a coach. That's true. 
Um, I think Charlie looked the most hurt out of all the ducks. Yeah. Whenever it happened, because he's like, like I trusted you, and like the other ones are pissed. Papa? He's hurt. <laughs> 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 all right. It's all right. So my MVP. Yeah, right. go for it. Uh, I'm gonna give it to. See, I, I don't think Charlie looked the most hurt. I still think Goldberg looked the most hurt. Like he just looked devastated. He was like I think his <laughs> face acting was so good that I'm gonna give it to him and a close second being Bombay because Bombay was excellent in the scene. Um, Anti MVP is Adam Banks. Like nowhere it's just to be found. Non-existent. Yeah. yeah, I like it. Well, he's not the real leader of the Ducks. Yeah. I feel like that's a whole episode. Like, yeah. Does Banks's leadership like flaws prevent him from yeah, the path that, he should that's be That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I think it kind of like is a pretty big hole in his game. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. All right, Tommy. We'll talk about it another time, but I'm going to give it to Bombay. Um, I, I just think this was really good. Like from the uh, he's getting chewed out by Tibbles, and he actually shows like the restraint to not say something. Like Tibbles was good too, but he didn't like have enough in the minute. Yeah, actually, yeah. in the minute, and so it's almost like, what if he had said something to Tibbles, like Jesse said to Bombay? I mean, obviously, I mean, Bombay's an adult, but he can say shit like that without repercussions, essentially. And so he just like sat there and took it, and then seems like he might have taken it out on the the kids a bit. But I thought Bombay was really good in the scene. Yeah, I mean, he sort of drives the scene. Goldberg does have some nice acting. He he is at the end too when they're all like. Uh, disgusted over him eating ice cream with the enemy he has like the best like what um char- what, 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 one quick sidebar whenever they said like we saw you eating with like the coach or whatever and no one says anything and then uh, portman like two seconds or said yeah ice cream with the enemy it's <laughs> yeah like, ice cream <laughs> yeah <laughs> like they're offended you? by ice cream yeah more it was than- like the most is <laughs> the worst thing you can do is ice cream with the yeah enemy. if it was like coffee or whatever grab a drink okay we get it <laughs> but ice cream yeah, so Goldberg had a good, like, what? Or, like, how could you? Uh, uh, Charlie, I I agree that Charlie's face acting was probably the best for me, though. But, as I said, Bombay drives the scene from beginning really to end there. So I have to give it to him. But you know where to find us. You can disagree, thequacktech.com. Let's move on to the quack question right now. If you're unfamiliar with the quack question... You ask us questions through email, Facebook, Twitter, mostly on Twitter. Let's be honest. We pick the best ones. Try to answer them. Kevin, what is the quack question today? Uh, today's quack question comes from uh, at by the gunk on uh, Twitter. <laughs> nice. Um, looks like he's got some sort of, uh, I don't know if that's a comic book character, uh, like a heavy metal avatar or something like that. Um uh, it's a screenshot. Otherwise, I'd look at it. Uh, his question is, or her question is, um, how does Jack Riley view Banks in D2 and D3? Proud or haunted? Mm, interesting. So, obviously, Banks is his star pupil. He goes on, has a decent tournament. I don't think Banks is really like a superstar in the Goodwill games, or is he? Like, he, he does a good job in shootout. And that kind of stuff, it gets hurt. And then D3 makes varsity uh, and then comes back, helps the Ducks win. I think Riley, obviously conflicted. I I think he's angry in D2. And then once Banks makes varsity for Eden Hall, he's like, oh, I did that. He he can sort of 
uh, take some for the himself there, take some credit for himself. So I think at that point he likes it. I'm not sure he would like him dropping back down to JV to be with his friends. So I think overall he's disappointed. Let me ask it this way. Is Banks invited to the Hawks' uh, tenure reunion, like their you know team reunion? I would say absolutely not because hmm. he – he, I would say Larson is not either, but he basically breaks the streak and then he's with these ducks and he's sort of, he's a duck at, at that point. Um, maybe if he stayed with the Hawks for like, until he got to high, to high school or Eden Hall, like he was a Hawk, played in the junior Goodwill games, was still a Hawk and then went to Eden Hall. He's welcomed back. But I think those ties are cut when Fulton uh, strips them all by the canoes, really. I think that um, Banks will never be linked to the Hawks. And it's like, he goes on, he keeps like playing up. It's essentially going to be a footnote like on his Wikipedia page. It's like, claim to fame was like the the Mighty Ducks with Gordon Byberry bringing up. And then be like, oh, he actually like paid for the Hawks, but then moved in like midway through the season. It's kind of like, okay. So there's no ownership, really. It's like, um, like Jeff Bagwell was like in the Red Sox organization. It's okay. Well, do you think the Red Sox scout who found him is just like, yeah, Jeff Bagwell for the Red Sox? It's like, like sure, you can like kind of pat yourself on the back, but I mean, the Red Sox nation is not claiming Jeff Bagwell. Yeah. Or are they? Maybe they are. <laughs> Let us know. Yeah, they're gonna retire his number. Yeah. All Wait, right. you didn't answer the question. What was the question <laughs> about Riley? Is Riley proud or is he uh, haunted? I think he's probably a little bit haunted. Yeah. I think he's haunted by the whole episode and then seeing banks like rise up like is only like a uh, thing about dodgeball with um ben stiller's character he's like i won that tournament fucking chuck norris <laughs> so he's probably the same way it's like it's a great line like, i deserve that way fucking fucking chuck norris. Banks. <laughs> yeah yeah and banks doesn't really do it the hawks way once he leaves he sort of is more of a duck in terms of how he approaches everything so yeah. i think yeah riley is more haunted than anything else kevin your thoughts? Uh, I think uh, I think he's maybe neither. I think he's kind of indifferent. Mm. I think he doesn't really care. I think he kind of writes off Banks after that happens and is done with him. Like he doesn't even know where he went to high school. Yeah. Right. I mean, he probably knows because he like he's like knows reads yeah. headlines and yeah, stuff, but he, he doesn't really care or follow his career after that. I can well, see that. One thing though, he clearly recognizes Gordon Bombay like twenty years <laughs> later. Yeah, but Gordon Bombay finished his career as a Hawk. That's true, and I guess it's a very memorable moment. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. All right. I think I think we answer. I think he's slightly haunted, but you do have a good point. He probably sort of disassociates himself from the entire situation there. He's Speak, talking about Riley. Not as haunted as the team in uh, the Sixth Man was by their player dying. <laughs> I have not seen that movie, so I don't know what we gotta watch that movie. Okay, there's a lot, a lot that we covered here. A lot of ground we covered, from the sixth man to all kinds of basketball trades and Adam Banks and Riley. The origins of uh, Mr. Bagwell. (laughs) Yeah, Jeff Bagwell. I forgot (laughs) about that. All right, so let's just wrap it up. Thequacktech.com. Go there, contact us at QuackTechPod on Twitter, Facebook.com slash QuackTechPod. Go to iTunes, give us five stars, tell us who your MVP of this minute was. Keep using the Amazon link. 
it helps a lot. Hopefully we can uh, make enough money. We can get some better mics so we don't have to sit in the dark and do this. Uh, keep going to the shop, getting your gear. It's comfortable. It's great. At least in Texas, the weather is like 70, oh, yeah. 80 I, degrees. I, so. I wore mine on Super Bowl Sunday. It was, it yeah. was glorious. Yes. You wore the originals, I believe. I did. Yeah. So feeling good. If you're looking for some t-shirts, now's the time to get in. And remember, ducks fly together. Ducks fly together. Quack, quack. Quack.